when you don't have a lot of money, you feel like this survivalist mindset, like, okay, I need to do what I need to do to eat. So I was going to be living without a salary, without benefits. I didn't have health care insurance. A lot of people being unsure that this was a long-term job. I'm Tony Okamoto, and this is Win the Day with James Whitaker. You're listening to Win the Day with James Whitaker. What we do in life. Echoes in eternity. Broadcasting from Los Angeles, California. Here's your host, James Whitaker. Let's go. Hey, winners. Welcome back to Win the Day. If this is your first time here, we sit down with some of the world's true change makers to give you all the tips, tools, and strategies to win the day every day. The quote for this episode comes from Brazilian writer Fernando Sabino and says, everything works out in the end. If it hasn't worked out yet, then it's not the end. Joining me in the studio is food blogging legend Tony Okamoto. Tony is the founder of Plant Based on a Budget, the mega popular website, meal plan, and community that shows you how to break your meat habit without breaking your budget. She's the author of the Plant Based on a Budget cookbook and the co-host of the Plant Powered People podcast. Tony also has a regular presence on local and national morning shows across the US and was featured in the popular documentary, What the Health? In this episode, we're going to talk about the defining moment that led to her mission, how she built a community of more than half a million supporters, why most people struggle to eat healthy, and simple tips to save you money and time with your household nutrition. Before we begin, the right bit of inspiration can completely change the trajectory of someone's life. So if there's a friend or loved one out there who needs to hear this episode or could use some help to win the day, share it with them right now. All right, let's win the day with Tony Okamoto. Tony, great to see you. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you. Well, congrats on the new book. And what an interesting time for the world. I mean, industrial agriculture is horrible. Uh, the typical Western diet is so bad. What? How, how would you define the mission that you're on today? I would like to help people eat more plants and to do so very smartly and thoughtfully, saving money and time in the kitchen. Nice, because it's very hard, isn't it? If, you, if you're not thinking about it uh, to begin with, you are having animal-based products at basically every single meal, every single drink, like a, a coffee or a tea can have animal-based products in it, and every single meal that you have for the day. And it just, it can't be the best thing for you when you think about all those uh, components of industrial agriculture and, and so many other things. And for your wallet, I recently walked by the egg section at the grocery store and could not believe that it was $7.99 for a dozen of eggs. That is outrageous. And the price of, yeah, chicken, all this stuff's getting out of control, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Meat is at an all-time high right now. So I help people think of other alternatives, plant-based proteins that are much more affordable and are not going to impact your cholesterol. And meal prep's a big one for you. you, How many days ahead do you normally meal prep on a given week? Well, there are so many different types of meal prepping Mm. options, and I am a lazy cook. So I like to do what is the mix and match style, where I batch cook one or two things, maybe a grain and a protein, something like quinoa and 
pinto beans. And throughout the week, I'll throw things together quickly with those things that I've meal prepped. But there are, again, a lot of other ways which we can talk (laughs) about. And some people get really, really into their meal prepping with (laughs) color-coded spreadsheets and everyone knows what they're eating when they're eating it. That's not my style, but I do help people with whatever kind of meal prep they want. Yeah, I've noticed that one of the biggest challenges to, that gets in the way of healthy eating is just being organized. I mean, if you've got all of the stuff that's sitting there in the fridge or in the pantry, then you can be three or four days ahead. It means that you're so much more productive with your family, with your business, and and just throughout your day without being like, what am I going to cook? Do I really have 30 or 45 minutes to prepare that food, eat that food, and the cleanup afterwards? I mean, being organized seems to be one of the biggest keys that you can have to be to be healthy. And it's going to prevent food waste. I don't know about you, but it is a terrible feeling when I have this beautiful produce that I had all of the best intentions to eat, and then it's soggy and sad, and I have to toss it in the trash, and I feel like I'm throwing my hard-earned money away. Yeah, it's devastating, isn't it? And I think older generations watching this, this has been a very hotly contested topic in my household and with some family friends recently. I feel like the older generations don't believe in use-by dates and will eat anything no matter what it looks like as well. So (laughs) (laughs) the younger generation, we believe in eating food when it's it's fresh. (laughs) Uh, When you were young, Tony, you lived with your Japanese grandfather and Mexican grandmother. How is that dynamic? And is there a memory or two from, from your upbringing that's still so vivid for you today? Yes, I really appreciated the diversity of food in my household. And what happened was, was that my dad was a teenager when I was born and he went to the Navy. And so I lived with my grandparents for the first part of my childhood. And it was so nice because they were retired and I got their full-time attention. And my (laughs) grandpa was into um, the Japanese gardening community in the Central Valley where I'm from. And so he grew a lot of the food that we ate. And I had that hands-on experience of helping him in the garden. And my grandma would prepare that food from scratch. And so that was the foundation of my learning about food. And it wasn't until a little bit later that I began to take on more of a processed diet because my dad came back from the Navy when I was 11 and we lived the bachelor life together. (laughs) (laughs) I'm picturing a lot of pizza boxes and things lying around. (laughs) Yes. My favorites include uh, included uh, hot dogs with canned chili, a hamburger helper, some boxed mac and cheese, and you get the picture. But it was tasty. And all that time, I didn't think about how food impacted my health. It was all about how it tasted. It was about how it filled my belly, but never how it would make me feel. It's big, isn't it? Like when I had that realization that what you eat, it's it's eating for fuel rather than eating for pleasure. It was a complete reframe. And like you mentioned, being out in the garden, I love being like barefoot standing on the grass, just having your hands in the dirt. There's something just very special about that connection that you have with nature that I feel like makes you so much happier and, and more positive. I totally agree. And I am now an avid gardener in my <laughs> adult life. I really love that hands-on experience. And also, I feel like Something can be intimidating to me, some type of produce. Maybe I hadn't had it and uh, I don't think I would want to try it. But because I grew it, I will try it and I will like it. <laughs> what have you got? Describe your uh, your garden to us. Oh, 
How long do you have? Give us uh, as long as you want. I feel like this is great. I'm loving this topic, Tony. Okay, so I started small. I started with just en- enough for me to handle. That was four plants. I got them from, I don't know, Home Depot or something. And I planted them and really, really loved how it felt to be in the garden. Not only for the fresh food, but because it made me feel less stressed and it was therapeutic for me. So it quickly turned into uh, 12 garden beds and 12 fruit trees and 12 fruit bushes uh, from buying my... the neighbor's house as well. And... <laughs> I wish. Um, there's a, a an ongoing dispute going on in my household between me and my dog and my husband. We have split the yard up into thirds and my husband and my dog really like their sun portion because they like to sunbathe out on a nice day. Yeah. Uh, and I only have my third and I really <laughs> need more. I can only fit so many trees on this little tiny piece of land. That's hilarious. I think what's missing from younger generations in particular today is so much of that instant gratification is what they're aiming for. But having a pursuit, something like gardening, I've had this lemon tree that I bought from Home Depot a bit like you did a few years ago. And it's something that I've just loved, just nurturing and seeing it grow and the uh, just the way that it develops. When you see the fruits of the labor over time, you get so much more appreciation for it rather than uh, an example would be opening up Uber Eats on your phone, pressing a button, and you've got food delivered to you in, in 20 minutes. There is something to be said, isn't there, about like putting in the work and just watching natural development take place and then enjoying that process. Exactly that. And also, if you think about the initial cost up front, it cost about $39.50 for the last tree that I purchased. And that tree is going to give me about a hundred to two hundred pieces of fruit with just within just a couple years. Wow. So I think it's also a really great investment if you want a lot of fruit. Yeah, well worth it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I noticed it in your in your book sitting in front of us here. Um it's dedicated to your dad. What were the biggest lessons that he that he taught you and are any of those lessons that you still carry with you today? I love my dad so, so much. He has always told me that I can be anything that I wanted to be and not in one of those manifested and it'll happen type of thing. But he showed me that if I work hard and I build confidence in my skills and in my desire to make something happen, that it can become a reality. And I watched him do that. He started off from humble beginnings and advanced in his career. He just recently retired. And watching what grit and determination look like from a very, very close, intimate perspective is incredibly inspiring. He didn't go to college until until he was um, an adult with children. And I watched him graduate. And it was so amazing. And I had at at the time not graduated either. And I went back to school and got a management degree from University of San Francisco. And it's just amazing how even when you butt heads as, as a teenager with your parents, how their actions and how they treat you and how they speak to you and how they believe in you, how that impacts your future forever. Mm. When did you fully accept and believe that you could do anything that you set your mind to, even though your father had told you that the whole way through? 
I would say in 2016, when I started doing plant-based on a budget full-time, and at that time, he was not so supportive because uh, blogging is not a conventional job. It's like, I was lying. I didn't think you'd go down the route of food blogging. (laughs) Exactly. My parents have always wanted better for me than what they had for themselves. They want all of the opportunity for me. They want me to thrive and to feel good and to not struggle. And so when I decided to do this out of a place of not desperation, but I just needed something different and I hadn't monetized yet. So I was going to be living without a salary, without benefits. I didn't have health care insurance. My parents really were concerned that I was taking a step backward in life and that all that they had sacrificed could be questioned. Uh, so they were concerned and I understand why, but now they're very proud of how far I've come and how I've stayed true to it, despite a lot of people being unsure that this was a long-term job. It's a different mentality, isn't it? Like the um, one or two generations before us who were involved um, in a lot of uh, global conflicts had a lot of things going on where stability was the thing they were after. I I wish a lot of the educational institutions today nurtured a bit more of that creative spirit in terms of if you were going to create something for yourself, what would that look like rather than necessarily going down the path of being a doctor or an accountant or a lawyer or more of those traditional paths? I would really like that, too. I think it would have made everything a lot easier for me. It is also hard to not have a business sense. And I feel like if you are a creative, maybe you want to be a full-time musician or an artist or uh, the many other type of cre- types of creative positions, you really have to understand business to some extent to figure out how you're going to have health care insurance. And if you want to have contractors who support you, how do you structure the taxes and all of the other things that go with it? So it would be really nice and helpful if not only what you said was true, but also there was support for the creatives who helped them think outside of simply being the talent mm. or the creator. What was the defining moment for you when you uh, were all in and, and adopted the plant-based lifestyle? Well, it started very, very slow <laughs> and gradually. And it was around that time I told you that I was eating a lot of processed foods. I was also running track and I was feeling really sick to my stomach on an ongoing basis. And my con- My coach was obviously concerned about me. He's like, what are you eating? And I thought, wow, that's a weird question to ask me. Why would he ask me such a thing? But he explained that I shouldn't be eating so much fast food and I shouldn't be eating so much red meat and processed foods because that is not going to fuel me as an athlete. So he told me to cut back on my daily Taco Bell trips and he told me to watch the red meat intake and I began to thrive as a runner. I began to feel better, stop getting sick and also recover faster. So it kept me motivated to lean more toward a vegetarian diet. But because my family loves their food and it's very cultural for them, both Mexican and Japanese, but I would say I, my family identifies more with the Mexican culture. So it is not only part of the culture, but it's 
it is also an expression of love and affection and celebration. And when you tell someone that you don't want their food, it can be disrespectful. So it was a little bit of a rough start. My parents didn't understand my choices and thought, how did they end up with this hippy dippy daughter who doesn't eat all this food that is so delicious to them? And uh, and that was the that was the beginning of it all. Was there one? I'm picturing you sitting in the corner at a lot of these <laughs> family <laughs> gatherings and, and parties. Was there one particular moment that you remember where it might have been a source of tension in the in the family groups, or was it just an accumulation of a lot of those things? It was accumulation, and I feel like because I understood my why. And I had a passion within me, even though that passion has changed in many different ways over the last nearly two decades of my life. It It is uh, what has kept me going in those moments when I do feel insecure or do feel challenged by my family or friends or some person I don't even know. Uh, it's It's the confidence within myself and my choices that makes me feel okay in those moments. What about the decision to become a personal brand? When you do that, you open yourself up mm-hmm. to, to trolls. Everyone in the the world has an opinion. What is the Babe Ruth quote that the, the loudest booze come from the, the cheapest seats? <laughs> uh, but the world that you're in, the nutrition world, I mean, that is as bad as it gets in terms of people wanting to, to cut each other down. How did you feel being a recognized authority and personality in that um, health food, nutrition, plant-based space, knowing that there was all that negative energy that could potentially come after you? It has been a lot of tension for me, especially in the early on years. But now I feel, again, that confidence really propels me forward. And I understand that they may be having a bad day. Maybe someone or something didn't go, didn't treat them well in that moment or in their lives. And they're looking for an outlet to take it, to to let that negative energy be expressed. And so I try not to take it personally, but I have been doing this for 11 years. And 11 years ago, it wasn't as easy as it is now. Mm -hmm. That criticism uh, that they have of you says more about them than it does about you. I try to believe that. Mm. And what about the decision? Like, when did you realize it was going to actually that you could create a business out of out of what you were doing? <laughs> I would like to say in 2016 that that's when when it all happened. I was laid off from my job, and sometimes the universe gives you a sign. It really did. <laughs> it really did. And I had a friend who had gotten laid off from her job one year prior and started running her food blog uh, full time because of what happened. And she was encouraging me. I thought, well, I don't have any money. I don't, I haven't monetized. I don't know. I was already interviewing with other positions and fortunately and unfortunately interviewing processes take a long time sometimes. And I was interviewing with one company for three months and doing working interviews and all these different types of things. And I felt like it was getting close and then I didn't get the job. So I decided this is it. I'm going to believe in myself. And i really had to talk myself through it. When you don't have a lot of money, 
you feel like this survivalist mindset, like, okay, I need to do what I need to do to eat and to have a roof over my head. And so it's sometimes conflicting with getting a job that you may not love or following your passion. And I decided to follow my passion. And I would say that I monetized and became in a good position within a year within with a lot, a lot of hard work, a lot of hard work. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how sometimes not getting what you want can be the greatest gift of all? It also teaches you to not live in that sadness for too long. It's good to grieve your losses, but to move forward because something good can be on the other side. Mm, absolutely. What about building a team? I know you've got uh, some people with really defined roles in the business that you run and, and the community as well. I, it's interesting, the work that you do, there, there are a lot of people I've interviewed who very much have a business, but I feel like yours is very much a, a community focused. The people who run those communities and help run the movement that you're with and, and your business, um, what are the, the key roles and how did, you go, how did you go about putting those people in place to begin with? You know, as... I mentioned not having a lot of money to start, it makes everything so much harder, especially investments. And knowing when to save and when to spend is a scary, scary thing. And the first time I hired someone, I hired them for four hours per week. And she just was a catch-all. She did all of the things I didn't have time to do. And I realized what four hours only four hours back into my life felt like. And that's when I knew the opportunities that lied ahead with having a lot of support. So I worked, I decided to create a goal of instead of myself being the creator, I wanted to be the manager. I went back to school around the same time, studied management and business, and decided to think about what the future could be if I was not the sole creator. So I hired, um, not in this order, but these are the people who are working with me now. I have someone who runs all of my brand relationships, and that means she works with companies who want to sponsor my work. Then I have a full-time photographer, and if you're if you've ever tried to take a photo of your lunch or your breakfast. It is very hard to do. <laughs> so uh, to do it and make it look really appetizing. Uh, so he is extremely talented. He is also the photographer of Plant Based on a Budget Quick and Easy and has an incredible story, which I'm happy to share later. Yeah. The photos uh, in there are incredible. They're awesome. They're really good. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. He did. He nailed it. Uh, I have people who do social media now, which I'll also say does help my mental health because they don't take it personally when people don't like my hair or my voice or my face or my hands or whatever it is. Uh, so that really relieves a lot of stress because I don't need to read and respond to all of the comments, um, especially the negative ones. Yeah, it's nice to have that at arm's length. Yes. And then I do have people who support me and in helping my community by answering all the emails, by running the support group that we have, by moderating all of my inboxes on social media. And so people who are reaching out to me will get an answer because 
so I have a I have a whole team of people who are supporting me in there. What about growing the community? Were there one or two things in particular that you did that really moved the needle in terms of growing that community as quickly as possible? Consistency is key. Sometimes it can feel like the algorithm is against you. You can feel like, oh, I've nailed it. And then the next day it changes and you have no impressions on your content that you worked so hard to create. And you just need to remember to show up the next day to continue creating content, even if it feels like no one is watching or looking at it or engaging with it. You never really know. It can go viral in two months or in three months and bring in a whole new part of your community that you didn't know, that you didn't realize or ever could have imagined. Yeah, I've realized as a content creator, a few things around that. First of all, it's almost impossible to predict what video is going gonna, is gonna to be a hit. Um, there's so many different aspects of that too. Also that um, there's a lot of people watching even if you don't you don't see them liking or commenting and i think there's even a big been a big trend lately people love scrolling on social media and they seem to be less likely to want to engage in any capacity so just because someone didn't hit the like or comment or share button doesn't mean that they didn't consume the content but if you're not posting then you're not putting it out there you're not growing awareness and and getting more people into your community and and obviously giving them transformations through the meal plans through the the cookbooks and all the other things that you do that's right and Sometimes I hear from people who don't feel motivated because of the lack of engagement, but Mm. engagement is just one measurement. Mm. There are so many different ways. Sometimes it can be one email that inspires me, that one person who decided to reach out because they saw something that I created two years ago and have made a lifestyle change because of it. So success can be measured in many ways. And Often, it's not through engagement on your social media. For sure, for sure. Uh, What are the biggest myths or misconceptions that people have around a plant-based lifestyle? Well, one, that it's expensive and hard to do. And I would say, I think what a lot of people struggle with is they believe that it is going to require all new ingredients and all of these different meals that are unfamiliar to their family. So they work it up to be something bigger than it is within within their minds. But really, I eat bean and rice burritos and pasta and veggies and marinara sauce. And these are foods that are familiar that I've been eating for ever. And uh, now I just know how to do it plant-based. Mm. What are your some of your favorite recipes? I know in the, there's a story behind pretty much every recipe in the that you have in the book. What, what's is there one that's like an all time favorite or one that stands out the most from the book? I really like one called sopa de fideo, which is like an angel hair pasta that's been broken up, and uh, it's like a soupy tomato broth with. In mine, I have black beans, onions, garlic, zucchini, and it was something that my grandma made for me. And so I don't know if you have anything like this, but when you eat it, you're transported back to being a child and you feel that same warmth and comfort. And I wanted to share that with my community. Oh, it's amazing. Something that my wife has been making recently is uh, the Mexican soup pozole. Mm, oh, oh my gosh. Delicious. Yum, so good. Yeah, yeah. So many other uh, things like that, that when you just eat it and you're like something that you've never actually tried before, especially when it comes to kids. Like how how do you get kids 
excited about trying something new, especially there's a lot of vegetables, things in there that they might be more resistant to eating. If at school and some of the other places they're hanging out, they're getting a lot of um, processed and packaged foods. There are a lot of ways allowing them to pick which produce they want to try and eat. Uh, That's one. Two is hiding it in their food. Uh, by blending it up or pureeing it or chopping it finely, shredding it and adding hidden veggies in. It's like everything. where the soups and the smoothies are great, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yes. Um, actually, one of my favorites is the there's a pancake, uh, there's a pancake recipe in, in the book. And as one of the variations, I say you can blend up the milk and the spinach and make green pancakes, which are really fun for uh, a special weekend treat or um, St. Patrick's Day. Oh, nice. And they're very good. You can't even taste the spinach and your kid is getting a bunch of spinach. So that's another way. And then having them try it over and over and over and over again in different ways. I know that I grew up with a very limited palate. I hadn't tried butternut squash or kale or even brown rice. And brown rice especially was really hard because I grew up eating a lot of white rice as a Japanese and Mexican person. They both use white rice. And the taste and texture of brown rice was really nutty and I didn't like it. So I tried it maybe 10 times and now I love it. So trying it in different ways uh, or prepared differently with different tastes and spices and um, produce, it will maybe help them like it. (laughs) Have you found that when you're trying to adopt people to a plant-based lifestyle or to try new recipes and things for the first time, that getting them involved in the cooking process makes Mm. a difference in terms of their enjoyment? Yes. Yes. And I will also say as as the cook who asks for the help, it makes everybody happy. Like they get to enjoy the experience of hands-on in the kitchen, um, trying new techniques, playing with their food. And I'm talking, it can be something like, uh, I have these this recipe for um, peanut butter oat balls. And those are really fun for little kids to make their own little oat balls, uh, which are snacks that you can put in the freezer and the refrigerator and make it more of an art project where you can pick their inclusions like uh, dried cranberries or chocolate chips or things like that. So you can get them involved in the beginning with fun things like that or putting together their own oats uh, with peanut butter and jelly or with uh, some chocolate chips, things like that. Uh, and then graduate them later to the hard stuff, <laughs> like putting together your lasagna or something like that. And uh, as I as I started saying, it's fun for me to have the help. And then especially when it's time for cleanup, everybody who participated participates in cleanup as well. Nice. Sharing the duties. <laughs> we'll be back with the show shortly. I just want to let you in on a little secret. As you know, the win the day mentality is my life's work, and I've studied it for the last 15 years. During that time, I've helped thousands of people from all over the world to win in their career, in their relationships, and in their life. Well, for the last few months, I've been working behind the scenes on a special 
special project with Success Magazine. For the first time ever, I'll be bringing you the exact blueprint that I've used to help the leaders of tomorrow to take their performance to the next level today. It's a self-study course with videos, activities, and a detailed workbook so I can personally walk you through everything. It's also highly practical, results-driven, and will transform your life like nothing else guaranteed. So if you're ready to win and win big, add your name to the wait list. Just go to jameswitt.com slash win. That's jameswitt.com slash win. You'll also find a link to that in the show notes and you'll be notified as soon as it's available. All right, let's get back to the show. I think it's so good teaching accountability by having people involved in the process. My wife and I read an article, I think it was a New York Times article. I'll link to that in the show notes that it was talking about how a lot of people complain that their kids aren't doing more, but you're so resistant to getting kids involved in different activities. And we read that, and all of a sudden we say to our daughter, hey, Sophie, would you like to go on and pick out what you want to have for lunch today? She loves doing it. She knows the out of the different options what's available. And it sounds like doing something with, with what you're doing too. She, she actually makes smoothies. Uh, she makes the – we put some spinach in the pancakes. We call them monster pancakes and just little things like that to make it fun and give them a little bit of accountability can create so much more enjoyment and alleviate a lot of the, the stress when it comes to food in the house. Another benefit of that, this is something that I really admire about my parents. My dad uh, later remarried, and he and his wife took the approach of making independent children and allowing us to help out in the home uh, in a way that wasn't, I I never felt like this was my chore and I hated it. It was just something that we all did. We all had uh, responsibilities within the household. We cleaned up after ourselves in our rooms. And I love that as an adult, nothing was surprising to me. I knew that toilets needed to be cleaned. I knew that laundry needed to be done. I, I, I knew that we mopped the floor. Uh, whereas my first roommate out of, out of my parents' house did not have that experience. She had a house cleaner growing up and felt really unprepared and even a little bit resentful that her parents hadn't taught her these very basic adult skills. Mm. So I I think that there are many benefits and independence and uh, an easier transition into adulthood are some of those. Yeah, and the value of, of hard work and that things just don't, you can't just click your fingers and have them appear. It's so important. Uh, again, well done on the book. We've touched on it a bit already through our conversation today, but what was the problem that you wanted to solve with this book? A lot of people, vegetarian or not, are really, really busy and they want to eat healthy. They want to eat, uh, they want to feed their children healthier. They want their kids to like vegetables and to grow up eating them. And the biggest thing I hear from people is that they don't know where to start. And even when they try, they don't have the skill set to put together a meal plan that makes it so that going to the grocery store is easy, that they use the ingredients that they purchase, that even the ingredients that they buy go in a proper meal together. Like some people will go without a plan and buy uh, pasta with no sauce or peanut butter with no jelly. Uh, So having a guide for people to succeed in healthy eating and saving money and spending less time in the kitchen was my primary goal. Are there a few staple foods that you incorporate in most of the cooking or most of the recipes from the book? I try to create a diverse uh, amount of dishes so that 
there is a diversity in produce and that you have a healthy gut microbiome. But there are things that I tend to lean on for um, affordability, and that's legumes, grains, produce, and all of that has so much within it. And within the proteins, I would say uh, lentils, split peas, different types of beans. I love for grains, quinoa, barley, rice, both brown and white. I can't get rid of my white rice. (laughs) Uh, And then for produce, I think buying what is in season, what is affordable at the grocery store, what you can grow in your own yard. Those are all fantastic options. And I try to show both more complex options if you have more time and energy for something like freezing meals or putting together one pot meals. But then I also show quick mix and match options if you wanted to do what I do, which is that big pot of brown rice or big pot of lentils. What about kitchen gadgets? Have you got any favorites? I know you mentioned pressure cooker a bit in the in the book. What else do you have around the kitchen that just makes your life so much easier? I first want to say, if you don't have any kitchen gadgets, there there is no problem with that. My kitchen started out with from very humble beginnings, I had hand-me-down everything. All of my Tupperware were uh, reused, like butter containers or uh, jars from pasta sauce. So I totally get that. Uh, my knives had been used by my parents for 20 years before they came to me. <laughs> so I totally get that. Uh, but over the years, I have developed more of a professional kitchen. And my favorite things, first, pressure cooker. It has revolutionized my cooking style because it allows me to put very minimal effort and have really nutritious meals in a short amount of time. I'll give an example. You can throw together a soup by tossing in all of the veggies that are about to expire in your refrigerator, plus some quinoa and some tofu or lentils. Set it for five minutes. It'll build pressure. You can go walk your dog around the block or play outside with your kids and then come back and you have a full meal ready for you. It's healthy. It'll make your house smell delicious. And I know one big fear of pressure cookers for a really long time was that it was going to blow your house up if you leave it on the stove for too long. And with electric pressure cookers, you don't have to worry about that because it just turns off while you're on your walk. So that's the number one. Do you have one? Uh, in terms of gadgets around no. the house? Do you have a pressure cooker? We do. Is that what an Instant Pot is? Yes. We do have yep. one of them, except um, I think when we uh, renovated recently, it, it disappeared. It's somewhere. I don't know where it is. So we've gone back to the the okay. um, enamel cast iron oh, nice. um, ones that we use. A bit. Yeah. I actually just love the basic cast iron um, mm-hmm. skillet as well. I, I use a fair bit. We recently bought a rice cooker, though. I, I I botched cooking rice a few times in the space of like a week. I was like, "What is what has happened to me all of a sudden?" So the rice cooker itself has been fantastic, but we need to get our instant pot back. The instant pot is also a rice cooker. So oh, is it really? Yeah, you could like save me forty cook- bucks. Yep, a slow cooker, a rice cooker. <laughs> it's a like a six in one gadget, and it saves a lot of kitchen space if you are limited in your kitchen space. Oh, nice. That is good. I also think that having a good knife is good. Is good going to be overall faster for you to chop through your vegetables. It's going to be safer so that you don't slip and hurt your finger. And uh, 
it's just much easier, better process mm-hmm. when you're cutting through smoothly. I used to think that this is how you cut tomatoes because <laughs> I had those old knives. But uh, it, it, outside of that, a good pot set, pots with lids, I didn't know that was a thing. And so cooking rice used to be really hard for me. <laughs> I would stack a big pan over a pot so that I could capture the steam when I was cooking rice. But having a, a decent pot set is now essential for me. Yeah, I love it. I know a big part of it, uh, the work that you do is on a budget. You're doing it for people who want to make sure they're not spending exorbitant amounts of money. These things at the supermarkets are getting so expensive um, these days. Are there any tricks that supermarkets are playing to, to get more money when you're there? Or are there any tips you have for people to make sure they're not spending so much when they're buying their groceries every week? Oh, yes. <laughs> that is. This is exactly why meal planning is so important, because it allows you to go with uh, intention and it makes sure that you're not shopping impulsively. So first, eat before you go to the grocery sh- go to the grocery store it's going to save you a lot of money uh, and then when you're there make sure that you're not falling prey to these beautiful marketing tactics big sale signs right when you walk in colorful packaging and stick to your meal plan a lot of what you'll see is paid placement and they make you think that it's the big deal say if you're getting a can of beans and there's a a specific brand right when you walk in that's a dollar fifty for these beans. Likely, if you go to the aisle that has the beans and you look all the way around, not only directly in front of you, you will find cheaper beans. And likely that will be this store brand and you're looking for price per ounce. So uh be be smart, pay attention to the marketing tactics, the Big sales are going to be at the aisle caps and right when you walk in and then again at the cashier, uh, at at the cash registers. The other thing is when you're being rung up, try to pay attention, especially if you're purchasing in bulk, which is what I like to do. I have written the incorrect number many times or I'll be uh, conversing with the cashier and I will notice that. I have been rung up for something different and I'm spending more money. So paying attention is also key. Yeah, it adds up, doesn't it? Yes. What about in any time I go to the supermarket, I found it can be very hard with a lot of the sneaky labeling and marketing tactics that a lot of companies use, not just plant-based stuff. I mean, all of them at the supermarket. It's very hard to find out sometimes what's actually healthy for you versus what's not. Are there any things that you try and steer clear of or are there some things that you prefer to make at home rather than buying at the store because they have a tendency to have more filler ingredients? I tend to eat more of a whole foods plant-based diet. So a lot of what is in the cookbook will be fresh foods, legumes, grains, and things like that. But uh, when I'm looking for, we'll say, even a can of beans, I'm looking for low sodium uh, or no sodium if that's an option. When I'm looking at my tomatoes or marinara sauce, say I don't want to make a marinara at home, I'm buying marinara sauce at the grocery store, I'm looking for low sugar, low sodium, uh, if possible, low oil. And those those are the healthier options. And uh, it's not just money that you're saving with the, all the work that you do. It's helping people save time. Is there anything specific that we haven't spoken about already that can really help people to, to save a lot of time when it comes to all of their food prep? Yes, you can 
put a lot of thought. Again, it's it's not only about meal prepping, it's putting in the work and using the time very efficiently and maximizing the efficiency in the kitchen. Uh, some of those are when you're cooking, if you double your batch, you can have leftovers for the rest of the week. And my style of eating leftovers is, um, say you make a big pot of soup. You're gonna hate your soup in seven days if you've eaten it every day. So I like to make it really bland on the first day. And then every day following, I just ladle out um, my portion and then I flavor it differently. I'll put hot sauce and lemon juice. I'll put um, some hickory smoke or I'll put nutritional yeast or just vary it up. And it'll be a different experience every time. And you can even toss in some frozen vegetables for different texture and uh, variation. Yeah, I love that. A lot of people say it's all right for so-and-so. They they have the money to be able to eat healthy. What are the biggest reasons that people can't actually eat healthy or that are stopping people from eating healthy? I would say it's a lack of planning and also a lack of education in, in food preparation and cooking. I lived under the poverty line for a very long time, actually until shortly after starting my business, I lived under the poverty line. I was making about $28,000 per year and then $34,000 per year when I got a raise. And it can be a challenge. It can feel overwhelming to go to the grocery store and not have a lot of money. So uh, what, again, has saved me is meal planning. When I started Plant Based on a Budget, I was originally creating only recipes that I felt were budget focused. But when I talked to the people who were really, really concerned about it not being enough uh, and not making ends meet from the beginning of the week to the end of the month or, or the beginning of the month to the end of the month, teaching them how to use food that's going to last, how to buy things that were going to not expire quickly, uh, how to look for ingredients like cabbages and onions and carrots that have a longer lifespan, and then what to do with those was the key. And I created these meal plans that went, they were the first thing to ever go viral for plant-based on a budget. And they showed people how at the time you could eat for $25 per week for seven days per person. And now I say that they last for, or it it would be about a $35 budget, but still that's dramatically cheaper than what a lot of people are eating. And it only requires a little bit of planning up front. Mm -hmm. For people who aren't organized or don't have the education, they're going to get some takeaway food. Mm -hmm. By the time you factor in tax and tip in America, it adds up. It's an extraordinary amount of money compared to how cheap you can make it at home. Exactly. And that's something that I hear about all the time. Well, the dollar menu is so inexpensive, but I personally can eat three things off of the dollar menu. <laughs> and if I were making it at home, I could be spending about a dollar fifty on my meal. What about the creative process when it, when it came to your book? How fun was that trying uh, out new recipes and trying to figure out what you wanted to include? It's very fun for the first part when I'm it's in my kitchen and I get to play with things. But then it goes into another phase of recipe testers. I work with 100 recipe testers to go through all of my recipes and provide feedback. Every recipe is tested by five different people. And these people are so diverse. Some of them have never cooked. 
Some of them are expert chefs. Some of them live in the middle of the country in a tiny town where there's a Walmart an hour away, where someone else has a Whole Foods across the street. So it was really fun, but also really tough to receive some of the feedback on the recipes. And that's, um, I would say, both the most fun and also brutal part of of creating recipes Wait, for a cookbook. Waiting to get your test results. Yes. <laughs> going back, we actually don't like her food whatsoever. Oh. It's like, what is going on in that part of the country? I, okay, my harshest feedback came from my mother-in-law, who was the sweetest <laughs> person. I love her so much. And she said that something was so inedible that she couldn't even give it to her dogs, that she had to throw it outside for the insects to eat. That is what she said. <laughs> uh, so Off I, the Christmas card list with I, comments like that. <laughs> I know. You're fired. <laughs> That's hilarious. When it comes to, to raising awareness of introducing more plant-based foods into people's lives, obviously there's a lot of work that can be done at like an industrial corporation level. I love all the work that you're doing at an individual level. Where do you see all of this stuff evolving in the next sort of five or ten years? Well, I've already seen it evolve dramatically. I've been vegan for 16 years now. And back then, it was very hard. People didn't even know how to pronounce the word vegan. They would say vegan or uh, say, oh, it's okay. I'll give you some lamb or some fish or something like that. And so the amount that it has evolved already makes me extremely hopeful for the future that it'll continue to be easier for people to make a healthier choice when at a restaurant, that there will be more options that are plant-based friendly, uh, that families will not give people as hard of a time because they are familiar with it. And it is really amazing how some of the biggest naysayers in my past have come forward because their doctor talked to them about their cholesterol or their type 2 diabetes, or maybe they watched a a documentary on Netflix and they were once giving me a really hard time. And now they're coming to me asking for my favorite recipes to try. So it makes me inspired and hopeful. Even your mother-in-law is going to be nice to you again. (laughs) If you were sitting down with someone who wanted to become more plant-based or to adopt the lifestyle, perhaps even in full, what are some steps that you would take them through to make sure they were successful with that or to give them the best chance of enjoying it even? Remember that it's progress over perfection. What I see often is, especially at the beginning of the year when people are really super motivated, is that they go all or nothing. Like one day they're eating turkey and mashed potatoes and gravy. And then the next day they're eating quinoa and kale and uh, only whole foods, plant-based. And that's a big change. And I feel what set myself up for success long-term was going at a pace that allowed me to feel comfortable and also not thinking about the short term, but thinking about the long term. And then when I did have mistakes, whether those were purposeful or by accident, I gave myself grace. It's again, not an all or nothing thing. You can have whatever you want to eat, a hamburger today, but tomorrow you can have your plant-based dish and continue moving forward uh, every meal choosing the plant-based option. I wanted to ask you about three different meals of the day. So we have breakfast, lunch, and dinner to get perhaps your favorite recipe or something that could say your favorite meal out of each of those ones. So 
Breakfast. Have you got a meal idea that someone could introduce for that meal? I have been loving the breakfast burrito in my book. That was the photo that stood out to me. I looked at that and I was like, <laughs> yes, that looks incredible. It's why, the, it's why the book looks a little tattered. It's because my wife and I have been pouring through that a lot. <laughs> that one is my favorite. It is a breakfast burrito that's really hearty with beans and hash browns. And a, it's really customizable, so you can really toss in anything else. Those are my two favorite ingredients. But what is cool about it is that it freezes. It freezes really well. So you can uh, make a bunch and then thaw them out throughout the week and you have something that's hearty, delicious and healthy to take with you to work every morning. What's the best way of reheating those burritos? You can either toss them in a toaster oven, you can thaw them first in the refrigerator overnight and toss them in the microwave if that's all you have at work. But I personally prefer the toaster oven. Mm, nice. Uh, what about lunch? Any particular meal idea for lunch? I'm a big leftover lover. I do a lot of uh, big batch dinners so that I can eat leftovers in the morning. So that's my first choice. But <laughs> I have also really liked this meal prep pasta salad in the book that you can layer in jars. And what I love about layering in jars, and this is something that's also very trendy online <laughs> on social media, is that the pasta doesn't get soggy with the dressing. You put all the dressing on the first layer and then all the vegetables um, in a way that is not going to make your green soggy or your herbs soggy. And uh, by the top, you have your pasta and you dump it in a bowl. It's really pretty and tastes good and is very filling as well. Instagram worthy. Yes, <laughs> very much so. And what about for dinner? Have you got a favorite um, meal for dinner? I really have been enjoying the um, chili cornbread casserole. It is a mix of beans with chili spices and topped with a, a layer of cornbread batter and then baked. So the cornbread bakes right on top of the chili and it's so hearty and cozy. <laughs> nice. What about if someone's traveling? Say if they're on a, a plane going to the, the other side of the, the country, are there any, any tips you have for people to be able to eat healthy and stay true to what they, uh, what they want to do with their meal plans while they're on the road? On the road, yes. I love, uh, I'll give you both. You said on a plane and then on the road. If I'm on the road, I travel with my Instant Pot and I cook full meals at my hotel room. So if I'm coming to LA, it's a six hour drive or if you're doing a family road trip to an amusement park or something like that, traveling with your Instant Pot makes it so that you have a little stove because there's a saute function that allows you to cook full vegetables. And I usually put in an Instacart order to Walmart when I get to the place or Whole Foods or wherever you shop. And you can put together quick and simple meals like that soup I mentioned earlier, or you can do um, a tofu scramble for breakfast. You can do oats for breakfast. Really, your options are so expanded when you have uh, the little stove with you. If you're traveling uh, by, by plane, some things that I like to pack with me are sandwiches. Those are usually filling enough and I pack them with vegetables and it saves me so much money. Everything at the airport is 
really expensive. I couldn't believe I bought a, a veggie burger for $20, whereas I can bring a whole meal for my family for the same amount in my backpack. Yeah. Was uh, the burger any good? No. <laughs> That's the worst thing. No, yeah. it wasn't even that good. Wash it down with an $8 bottle of water as well. And- <laughs> exactly. It is It is really ex- expensive at the grocery store. Uh, and then I I tend to rely on things like protein bars or granola bars, um, different trail mixes. Those are the snacks that I'm bringing when I'm traveling. Was there a particularly dark day that you've had along this entrepreneurial journey that stands out? A dark day. I would say a full year of my life was dark, and that was in 2020. It was a really harsh environment to live in the internet. Like. I spend so much time online and having a pandemic, having um, the Black Lives Matter conversation ongoing, uh, having uh, the vaccine, no vaccine conversation ongoing. It was just a very polarized place to be. And people were so passionate and Again, it was an outlet for people to express themselves, even at a recipe. Like if you were having a bad day and you saw a recipe you didn't like, you really let that recipe have it. Uh, and and so a lot of 2020 for creators was very, very hard on social media because of the hostility online. Even when you don't respond to a comment, the negative energy that you can absorb, even Mm. if you're consciously like, look, I'm not going to let that affect me, but you can feel it. There are cells inside you that just can retain that. It can be really difficult, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And in certain certain communities, people also expect you to take a stance Mm. on everything. Like every time there's something big in the news, people reach out to me and say, well, what is your opinion on this? You should Mm. make a statement. And I can't make a statement on everything. And also, I just don't know, like some things are so nuanced and I don't know enough, or it's also not food related. And that's what my (laughs) business is. Uh, So I just, it's a lot of pressure. And it was especially hard in 2020. Yeah. To say I, I do not have enough information to make an informed opinion. And also, I don't even watch the news. Like I I stay aware of it through just online every now and then. But yeah, for people who want you to take a stance on something when you haven't Mm -hmm. even heard about what's going on, it can be a really, a really difficult thing to to do. Mm -hmm. And all you do is get wrapped up in the energy of whatever's hot right now, rather than focusing on bringing in the energy that you actually want to have for your community and and to play the long game for for yourself. Right. And also sometimes people follow me because they don't want that they want to save space where they can only learn about food and maybe they choose not to follow the news accounts because they don't want that in their social media space. And for me to then insert these topics uh, and maybe alienate some people as well, someone's going to be offended by what I say Mm -hmm. on either side. It it just seems counterproductive to me. I love looking up recipes. When it comes to news, I, I've never left a news uh, browsing session and thought, wow, I feel so vibrant and full of positive energy <laughs> after what I've read. It's always it's always horrible. Uh, last question before we move into the rocket round. On your best day, what's an affirmation that you would write on a flashcard that you could show yourself on your worst day? That is a good question. Let's see. 
I would say you can be anything you want to be. And I, I, even though I've been told this my whole life, sometimes when things get overwhelming or uh, I will say even right now with this book coming out, I have some lofty goals and people want me to be prepared for the worst and their intentions are very good. They want me to be prepared and stay grounded, uh, but I feel like they're putting their negative energy on me. And so I wish every day that I write this down for myself and say, you can do whatever you want to do. You can be whatever, whoever you want to be, just so that I, while the world is saying, it's okay if you don't make your goal, uh, I can still know that it's possible and I believe it so much. Mm -hmm. The process of recommitting to what you want and who you are every single day. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, let's now move into the win the day rocket round. 10 questions for some quick answers. You up for this one, Tony? Yes. Number one, what quote inspires you the most? Um. Gosh, I don't, I'm going to really mess this up, but it's, I think it's Benjamin Franklin and it's the harder I work, the luckier I get. Mm, is so that, good. is that ben, Benjamin Franklin? I, I, maybe. Yeah. I can't remember. I, I'm definitely very familiar with the quote as well. Okay. It's one of my all time favorites. It's, yeah, so it's, good. it's a great one. It's so true. There's just without the purposeful action and consistency, like you already mentioned today, it's such a big one, but people mm-hmm. want the result without putting in, um, putting in all the work to get there. Uh, number two, morning coffee or evening wine? I don't drink coffee and I don't drink wine. <laughs> Both and neither is, is the most popular answer. So all good, all good. Uh, number three, what's one bit of advice you would give your 18-year-old self? Other people's opinions of you don't matter. Mm. Number four, what book do you gift the most apart from your own? Atomic Habits. Mm, by James Clear. Yeah, great book. Number five, was there a vulnerability you once hid within that became your superpower? I have always been I've always been really caring uh on on the inside and putting that outward made me vulnerable I feel especially within my own family who is more like family first uh and allowing that to be put in the world and to even hope that it inspires other others has been really big for me. I think that's huge. There's almost every family that I have witnessed or observed in one way or another has some type of tension from just different personalities, especially as the families get bigger. So I think you having that background, massive empathy, and I think people are drawn to that because they recognize it in their own journeys too. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number six, what's one thing you've learned about failure? Is that you can get back up and keep going. (laughs) Number seven, if you could sit on a park bench and have a conversation with someone alive or dead, who would it be? I would choose to speak with Barack Obama. Mm, what would you say? Thank you. Mm. Number eight, what tool or resource best helps you run your life or your business? Tool or resource. Uh, I am I am grateful for social media. Instagram has allowed me to reach so many people and be very deeply connected with individuals who I would never ever know otherwise. What's the big social platform for you at the moment? It's Instagram. Still Instagram? Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome. Number nine, share one thing on your bucket list. I would love to go to Egypt. Mm, Nice. And last question, number 10, what's one thing you do to win the day? 
I am here with you being totally present and unplugged, and I just feel so grateful. Oh, nice. Well, we feel very grateful to have you on the show today, Tony. There are a bunch of ways to connect with Tony and the Plant Based on a Budget community, and we'll link to all of these in the show notes. You can follow her on Instagram at Plant Based on a Budget. Visit her website, TonyOkamoto.com, and grab a copy of her awesome brand new book, Plant Based on a Budget, quick and easy on Amazon and wherever you can find books. Again, all of that and more will be linked in the show notes. Tony, great to see you. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Win the Day podcast. We want to hear your thoughts on what we covered today. So drop a comment on the YouTube version of this episode with your favorite takeaway, any questions you have, or what actions you'll be taking as a result of what was shared in this episode. And if you found value in the Win the Day podcast, leave a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You'll find a link to both of those in the show notes. It'll only take you a few seconds and more ratings really helps other people discover the show so they can get the mindset upgrade they need and we can bring more winners into the Win the Day movement. That's all for this episode. Get out there and win the day. Until next time, onwards and upwards, always.